0: What's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting bullied. a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of PhillyIsFlyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. Mark Giannone and as always with me, Dan Silver from down in DC. Dan is, I would imagine that DC during election day is a lot like being the host city for the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know I went to grad school here um, at least for a, like a quarter, and it was it's all politics. It was I was actually covering the North Dakota uh, senators and congressmen. Uh, for one of the like the local North Dakota TV stations, so I was down in the Pentagon, and it was it's all uh yeah it's uh these all politics. So you know we we won't get into the politics on the show. We don't want to no. turn any viewers viewers away, but it's uh it is uh, Election Tuesday, and actually I um sent in my absentee ballot about a month ago to Pennsylvania because I still am registered in PA and hoping uh, my votes make a difference.
0: There you go. Yep, I, got, I did my voting, so that's that's all you saw on Twitter today. Well, that, and if you're on Flyers Twitter like we are, then of course the big news coming out of the NHL, which we'll get into in a little bit, is the firing of Chicago Blackhawks head coach Joel Quinville. A lot of Flyers fans obviously would want to see the Flyers fire Dave bring in Quinville. We'll get into that. Um, the big video that came out late last night, I guess it was of the Ottawa Senators, some of their players had some not so great things to say about the coaching staff and team um, and a hidden camera Uber ride, so that was cool. But the big news, as far as the flyers are concerned, was a seven point, uh, they got they scored seven out of a possible eight points on their West Coast road trip beating Anaheim, LA. Arizona, and of course going overtime against San Jose, a game they were leading, a game they they lost the lead, and then subsequently lost in overtime. So, Dan, now that these four games on the West Coast are done, the Flyers brought their record to 7-7-1 on the trip. As we said, 7-point performance out of them. What has changed in the Flyers is that a lot, because to me, when I look at it, a lot of it has to do with who they were playing. Um, The one really good team that was in there is a team that eventually pulled out the victory against them. So they played weaker competition, even by their standards, but they did what you're supposed to do when you play a bad team, and that's win the game. And they got that against those three weaker teams. So, Dan, from your eyes, what has changed from where the Flyers were a week ago to where they are right now?
1: It's a very good question. As you mentioned, the first two games, they beat up on two bad teams, the Ducks and the Kings. And of course, the Kings game was used as the impetus for the Kings fire uh, their head coach, John Stevens. There are actually, two head coaches that have won Stanley Cups uh, were fired um, this week. And Stevens won a cup with the Kings. What was his
0: or was uh, it just oh, he, a, was, he was an assistant. He wasn't the head he coach. He was an assistant. Right. Okay.
1: So okay, so John Stevens didn't want to cup, But anyway, so the the Kings losing to the Flyers five to two was the the reason that they cited that kind of pushed it over the edge for them firing their head coach. Uh and then, you know, the Flyers played I thought they played two really good periods against the Sharks. First two periods, they jumped out to a lead and then lost an O T and then You know, they actually got outplayed last night by the Coyotes, at least in the uh, first period, but uh, they ended up with the 5-2 win, a couple lucky bounces. Here's a couple things that stood out to me on the positive side. One was we harped on the show last week about the Flyers' slow starts and how, you know, they've been like 27th under Dave Hackstall in first period goals and 26th in first period goal differential. I believe that they scored the first goal in all four of those games. So that's a very positive sign. Even if, if one or two of those goals was lucky, they they look they came out and they scored the first goal in all of those games. So I think that is a very positive sign. Maybe they're going to you know parlay that into some future fast starts. Uh, another sign that was very encouraging for me was how good Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom were on the trip. And Nolan Patrick, you almost get the sense that he is starting to, to to become one of the leaders on the team. And he's only 20 years old, but you just watch him play and watch how the other players react to him. And Nolan Patrick had, I think, six points on the, the four-game road trip. And he just, he was flying. He was uh, a man on a mission. He was back-checking. He was a number of great takeaways. And I was very encouraged with how Nolan Patrick was playing and Oscar Lindblom. Those two had some pretty good chemistry last year. Lindblom, uh, another young player, 22 years old, and he only had six points in 23 games last year for the Flyers. He had no multi-point games last year for the Flyers. And on this road trip, he had two multi-point games and he had six points across the four games. So, uh, Patrick and Lindblom both riding, I believe, four-game point streaks, and they were phenomenal together, and that's going to be very, very important for this team moving forward, because Jake Voracek, Claude Giroux, Wayne Simmons, these guys aren't getting any younger. Sean Couturier's been struggling a little bit this season, and we're going to need a couple of these young kids to really step up, and I think most people were expecting Nolan Patrick to step up this season, but... Lindblom, I think, was a bit more of a question mark, and he he's really come on, playing uh, great, inspired hockey in the offensive zone, great passes behind the net. Some fans were, you know, joking that uh, the last guy who made plays from behind the net, like Lindblom, been making is Winkretsky. Um, but uh, but those so those two things for me were very encouraging. Was the the early leads that the Flyers jumped out to, and the play of. Patrick and Lindblom were, were the, I'd say, the two most encouraging signs for me from the trip.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we've talked about it a lot, that there needs to be more scoring depth from this team outside of, you know, Borachek, Giroux, Simmons, Couturier. Um, yeah, you're right. He hasn't been playing as good as he did last year. Um, and, you know, to me... <clears throat> Going into the last year, I didn't expect much out of Sean Couturier, and he had a career year, and a lot of people expected that to just roll over into this season. Uh, he's looking more like he did previously, but that's a whole separate issue. But yeah, I mean, a, a guy that no one was really talking about all that much going into the season as being an important cog to this whole thing is Oscar Lindblom, and he was a you know he was really highly touted coming out of Sweden, and when he was with the Phantoms. Everybody couldn't wait for him to get the call up. He finally did last year, and he played okay, you know, good, not great. And if he could really come into his own and start scoring with some regularity, it would be huge for the Flyers. And the same goes for Nolan Patrick. I said multiple times before this season started that Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick were going to be two guys that needed to become, you know, mainstays on in the scoring columns, both, you know, points – or I'm sorry, goals and assists – and, you know, Travis Konechny, he, you're still not seeing out of him what a lot of people want to. And Nolan Patrick had a great West Coast trip. And that's very encouraging. It's very encouraging, not only for Nolan Patrick, but for the team as a whole. Because when you look ahead to this Flyer schedule, just over this next week, they're playing teams that are struggling. They get Arizona again. On Thursday, Saturday, they have Chicago at home. And then next Tuesday, they have Florida at home. So these are three straight home games. Actually, the first three of a five-game homestand, the back-end games are the Devils and the Lightning. So here's three games over this next week where the Flyers can really start racking up some more points. You know, Arizona, they're going to come into this game and you know, I don't know how much everyone always likes to say the revenge factor. I don't know how much of that is true in sports for just a regular season game. But, you know, the Flyers won 5-2. And, you know, there's no reason to expect that the Flyers can't carry over that scoring into this game, especially at home. Unless you ask the coach, Dave Haxtell, who says that they play two tents at home. So it'll be interesting kind of to see to, you know, kind of build off of that this team played so well on the road, they got those seven points, and now they're calling home for five at home, and if they kind of go back to where, how they were playing before that road trip, you know, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see if there's a some correlation to playing at home in front of these fans, and if that's the case, if for whatever reason they're more tense at home and they can't perform at home, then that's, you know, that's a problem in and of itself, especially when you get later in the season and in the playoffs if they make it and stuff like that, but Right now, Nolan Patrick and Lasker Limbaugh playing at the level that they are, combined with the this easy schedule over the next week, these next three games, the Flyers, in a week, they stand at 7-7-1 and right now. If things keep up the way they are right now, I see no reason why they can't be 10-7-1 one week from tonight.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned one of the keys is going to be playing the same type of game that they did on the road and bring it back home. And there was, uh, there's some quotes last night after the game. These are uh, quotes I'm taking from Charlie O'Connor's article at the athletic, uh, him and Bill Meltzer, in my mind, the two best uh, post-game recappers. And this is a quote from Oscar Lindblom who, uh, and, and I'm going to read you what, what Charlie wrote. He wrote, and it was, uh, for, I'm going to read this paragraph, actually, because it's funny, the bit about Travis Konechny and Ratko Gudis. Uh The Flyers earned the right to crow a bit in the locker room afterwards, and spirits were high in the wake of the win, with Travis Konechny dancing to Sheck, Wes's single, Mo Bamba, and yes. Radko Gudis laughing that he only knows one word from the hit track. And it was Oscar Lindblom, who had six points on the four-game trip, who proved willing to drop sheer unqualified positivity in an on-the-record conversation, a well-earned luxury. Quote, what can I say? A perfect trip, end quote, he said with a smile. Quote, we needed this. We just have to bring it home now, relax, and play our game at home. I think we're going to be good, close quote. So, you know, these guys, they were very tight playing in front of the home crowd. They went on the road. They had a chance to, uh, you know, get away from home a little bit concentrate on playing solid hockey they they won three out of four games they got seven out of eight points and i think that they will be able to bring some of that relaxed play back home now all bets are off if on thursday night arizona jumps out to a two nothing lead and, and they've got the fire haxtell chance going again but i'm guessing that the fires are probably going to come pretty strong in that game thursday night so you know i i it is going to be important because i will say that even over the last few years, the Wells Fargo Center has been not that enjoyable to go to games at. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been quiet. It's almost like a a, a mausoleum at times. It, it it gets so quiet, and it's almost like fans are waiting for something negative to happen so they can start booing. Which was different than when I was going to games back in the Eric Lindros era, and the place was just so loud. Um, and it's it's it, it's different now. I'd like to see this game this team string some good games together at home you know one of the one of the interesting things and we're going to talk about Joel Quenville but the road trip I mean we're both happy that the Flyers played well on this road trip and got some points but I think there were a lot of fans uh, who were hoping that the Flyers were going to fail on this road trip Mm -hmm. so that they could potentially get their wish and and Dave Haxtell would be fired now of course we don't know what Ron Hextall would have done if they had performed poorly, which is, as, as we talked about last week, and it would have been interesting to see if they played poorly on this trip, what would have happened. But, um, but there are, I mean, a lot of fans out there who I still think were hoping that they were going to uh, play poorly on the trip, and I can totally understand that, because a lot of people are completely convinced that Dave Hextall is not the right head coach to lead this team for the foreseeable future. But, uh, but as, as we talked about, they always, whenever they get to rock bottom, they always seem to get themselves back up. And there were enough things that were positive on the trip that I'm kind of willing to go along a little bit more here with Hackstall and, and, and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's that old saying that goes, winning cures everything. And that's absolutely correct. And you're right. Just when we think the Flyers are dead and buried, they're as low as they can get. You know, they screw they string together a couple of good games, and that's what we saw on the road trip. Um, but what is what we have not yet talked about, Dan, and what is gonna be a problem? look, the flyers can play you know as good as you know the flyers in front, forwards and defense could play as good as they're capable of playing. But there's one big question mark that once again looms over the Flyers, and that is the goaltending position. And me and you have talked about goaltending probably more than anything else on this show since we've been doing it now, whatever, a year and a half, however long it's been. And once again, it's in a negative light. Um, The only positives that we have ever talked about when it comes to goaltending is how well Carter Hart was playing in juniors and how we couldn't wait for him. So once again, Michael Norberth comes back. I think he was healthy and on the active roster for about three hours. And got hurt again. He's back on IR. Um, Brian Elliott missed his start last night because of an injury he suffered in in practice again. With these practice injuries, we've seen, you know, Sean Couturier has gotten hurt in practice, and now, you know, Andrew McDonald with his workouts, he's getting he was getting injured off the ice, off off the game ice, and now Brian Elliott. So, you know, you just you look at the flyers goaltending situation and it's almost like beating a dead horse at this point talking about it but it's such a it's such a detriment to this team and as good as they're coming in as good as they're looking right now coming in off of this big road trip and coming home and you know you have all this momentum they have this easy schedule coming up it could just as easily go the opposite way for the flyers because the goaltending is that shaky it is that inconsistent you don't know what you're going to get night tonight you could get a night you know we've seen games this year where brian elliott looks out of his mind you know he looks like an all-star caliber goalie and then we see other games where he just you know he looks like me or you could beat him you know with a shot and i think that's you know what you said about the fans and watching games at home is 100 percent correct as far as i see it uh the fans in my eyes at the Wells Fargo Center, um, I think that Flyers fans have kind of lost their edge a little bit. And a lot of it has to do with there's not that high of expectations for this team. There were absolutely fans that wanted them to do poorly on this road trip so the coach will get fired. That's not a conducive environment for fans, players, team, everything. You can't have fans that against the success of the team based on one guy. But as we've seen, they played well and as we've seen in the past with the Flyers, when a nut when the Flyers come out and say, and when I say that I mean when you know Dave Haxtall, Ron Haxtall come out and say, yeah, we're, you know, we're just we're not getting the bounces, we're playing better than, you know, the score sheet would indicate and things like that. And then they come out and win a couple of games in their minds it just supports what they believe and supports what they've been saying, and then nothing will get done. So that's, you know, if you're a hardcore fire hack stall, you're done with this guy, which a lot of us are. A lot of us believe that he's not the guy to, to take this team going forward. And now you know, you, you see a guy like Joel Quenville, and that's one thing that we've said in the past is, if you fire Dave Haxel, who do you bring in? Well, now there's a guy that you could bring in who's a proven winner, three-time Stanley Cup winner, second-winning coach all-time in the NHL behind Scotty Bowman, and so there's a guy out there. There's a name. There's a big name out there, and it'll be interesting to see how long he's out there, A, if he makes it to the offseason, and B, if the Flyers you know, keep winning if you still... Like, if they win, but if they win in a way that doesn't necessarily please the fans, how long this Fire Hacksaw thing is going to go on, and if eventually fans will just, you know, start losing their edge even more and wanting this team... not I'm not saying rooting for them to lose, but not caring when they lose because they hate the coach that much. They hate the coach that much.
1: Yeah, the... Uh... First I want to just talk about the goalies because I'm looking at this stat and it's you know going into the season we had Brian Elliott and Michael Neuberth signed to one year deals. We also had the youngsters Alex Lyon, Anthony Stollavers and Carter Hart. And I I think if you had said that 16 games into the season Calvin Pickard would have played a third of the team's games and have just as many wins as basically as any other goalie on the Flyers, you would be like, wait, what? Cal Pickard? Wait, what? And it's, it is the goalie situation, it's hilarious, has devolved much faster than any of us expected because most of us were kind of like cautiously optimistic that Brian Elliott would be. Healthy going into the season, and maybe this new off-season yoga regimen that Michael Neuwirth had would, you know, lead to him having his resurgence in his in his best possible season. And then Neuwirth gets injured before the season even starts. Elliot is basically not recovered by the time the season starts. They pick up Calvin Pickard on waivers. Elliot uh, came back, and then he was injured in a collision with Travis Konecny in practice. Neuwirth came back and played one game, got absolutely torched, gave up six goals. Now he's injured again. Pickard's thrown into action last night, and he played... Last night, Pickard played the best goalie game that any Flyers goaltender has put up this season. He had 30-plus saves. He was just very good. But he's another one of these goalies, like Peter Morazic, who you watch him play, and... at least me, I'm watching the game last night and I'm like, how is this guy making any saves? He doesn't look like he's in position. It always looks like there's net to shoot at, and yet somehow he's making saves. He's giving up rebounds. Like You could just sort of tell that uh, Cal Pickard is is not the long-term answer for any NHL team in net. So the goalie situation is just a, a joke. And then you look down at Lehigh Valley and Carter Hart has has not been playing well at all. He's, he's got a 3.77 goals against average and 882 save percentage. His last few games have been better than his his uh, first three or four games. He's played in six games so far, but he he has not been great and Anthony Stolarz has gotten shelled with the phantoms alex Lyon has been far and away their best goalie so far and he's now up with the flyers backing up cal pickard but i didn't see anything from alex Lyon last season that made me think that he's a nhl goalie so the team's uh goalie situation just continues to devolve actually one of the funniest tweets i saw was when jonathan quick got injured with the kings sam Carciti of the Inquirer sent out a tweet being like i wonder if rod hextel will uh shock some of his goalies to the kings because now they need one and i'm thinking to myself like are you insane the flyers <laughs> d- don't have a, a single good nhl level goaltender and especially when elliot's injured and now you're suggesting that maybe the kings would want a goalie from the flyers who are they going to want like it was I, I, that was hilarious and i don't know the mind of someone that could even suggest something like that but anyway Uh, So, yeah, the goalie situation is a mess. Going to the coaches, you know, it's just, Ron Hextall is, is, I don't even know if he was going to fire Dave Hextall if the team, you know, went one and three on this road trip. I don't know. He just seems, doesn't he seem completely uh, dedicated to and committed to to Dave Hackstall at this point, I mean, I—it's just hard for me to to think that Ron Hestall would make a change during the season unless Dave Scott, Comcast CEO, basically says, "Ron, you got to fire this guy." Then Hestall going to have to do it. But if it's up to him, Hestall ain't going to fire Dave Hackstall And and I, you know, first, and your question is, Joel Quenville going to make it to the off season uh, without getting hired? No way. I will be stunned if Joel Quenville is not hired in the next two weeks to take over for another NHL team. Because there's teams like uh, the Blues and the Panthers that are really struggling. You know, the Red Wings. They, those teams might want to bring in Quenville. I, I don't think it's going to be the Flyers. All day long, you're seeing Flyers fans talking about the Flyers need to bring in Joel Quenville. And, oh, it's such a shame we you know, we did well on this road trip because we want to hire Quenville. I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that Hextall is going to bring in someone like that left to his own druthers. I think Hextall is very much about developing not only players, but developing coaches, which is why he he hired Dave Hextall as the head coach, a guy who was from the college ranks, and he wanted to see Dave Hextall develop along with the team. He brought in Chris Knobloch last year to be an assistant coach. Knobloch was with the Erie Otters of the OHL. He wants to develop him as a coach. Scott Gordon down in the AHL. He uh, you know, gets pretty good reviews about his coaching abilities, and, and he, the, the organization is bringing him along. It just it doesn't seem to me like Ron Hexdall is going to bring in a guy like Joel Quenville, and especially not after this team had such a successful road trip.
0: All right, so here's – as soon as the Joel Quenville news came down – I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew fans were going to start clamoring for him to get hired by the Flyers, fire Hackstall, the whole thing. And, I mean, at this point, I can't really disagree, but I, I, <clears throat> I'm i with you. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, the Flyers are playing better, so I don't see Ron Haxtell making a move now, but I kept thinking about the same thing. Um, a, a similar situation that broke out for the Phillies uh, four years ago, in 2014, Joe Madden, who was a big, um, you know, a big name in managing in baseball, he was with the De- he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. He resigned midseason. the F- The Phillies had Ryan Sandberg as their manager, who everyone knew was a dud. He was, you know, a big managing prospect. The Phillies hired him, and it was apparent pretty quickly that he didn't have a clue what was going on. and it was asked of Ruben Amaro Jr., the GM at the time, if there was if they were thinking about making a move to let Sandberg go and bring in Joe Madden. He said no. They kept Sandberg. Joe Madden is hired by the Cubs that offseason. That next season in 2015, Ryan Sandberg um, resigns from the Phillies midseason. 2016, Joe Madden wins a World Series with the Cubs. The Phillies are still trying to figure it out, and they still don't know if they have the right guy in their manager. So to me, it's the very similar situation. You have a guy in Dave Haxtell that the general manager in this situation, Ron Hexel, is very dedicated to. He has a loyalty to. He, like you said, he, he wants to develop these guys because I think he's trying to make his name known as more than just the feisty goalie of the 80s and 90s. And wants to be known as just a, a really good hockey mind and a guy that, you know, 10 years from now, people will say like, oh, like Ron Hextall brought in this guy with the Flyers all these years ago. And now he just won a Stanley Cup with this team or he developed this player or whatever. So from that perspective, Dave Hextall not going to go anywhere, but he absolutely should. And we've said this time and time again, and my biggest hold back on it was... Right now, Dave Haxall was probably, at least a week ago, when we last spoke, Dave Haxall might have been your best option this season because bringing a guy in midseason, you're going to have, like, you know, a couple weeks to a month where he has to implement his system, players have to get used to the guy, and you're still going to have some growing pains there. So, and I said to myself, and, you know, the big question was, well, who's out there? You know, you fire the coach, but who are you bringing in? And when a guy like Joel Quenville, and I already said his, you know, I already said his resume. Three-time Stanley Cup champion, second winningest coach in NHL history. When a guy like that comes loose, when he becomes available, and when you're a team that, you know, is is somewhat in shambles, you jump on that. Because that's a guy that you could say, yeah, we have a way better chance of winning a Stanley Cup with Joel Quenville. Maybe not this season. But in the coming seasons, we have a better chance with this guy than we do with Dave Haxel, who we've now had four years with these players, and we have seen absolutely no progress. This team is still at the bottom of the league in penalty kill. Um, you know, they're still struggling to score goals at times. They're still, play, you know, they still have inconsistency problems with playing a full sixty-minute game. And to me, it just blows my mind. Like, I, I, I understand that there's a lot of pride in ron hextall you know he's a very proud guy he i can imagine that he's not a guy that likes to be wrong all that often but there comes a time and there comes a place in every person's life that even the proudest of of humans have to say i made a mistake and when there is a when there is such a better option than what you currently have available and all you have to do is Pick up the phone and call. Look, if you pick up the phone and Joe Quinville says, No, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in the Flyers job, then whatever. At least you tried. But if all you have to do is pick up the phone and just admit to yourself, The guy I hired isn't the right guy. This guy, this guy very well could be. He's proven, he's done it before, he has the pedigree. Why not go get him? And I know Ron Hextall won't. And I think, just like it did the Phillies, I think it's going to eventually come back and bite him in the ass.
1: Yeah, it's such a tough situation. And, you know, we had Mike Sealski on last week from the Inquirer and Daily News, and he had some really good insights on the situation. And he basically said that he, from what he's seen, he does not think that Ron Hextall is going to fire Dave Hextall unless he's forced to. And it, it very much seems to me like these guys feel like, they sort of have shared destinies. And Ron Hextall thinks that, you know, he look, he brought in Dave Hextall, and I saw a stat today that I think is like the fourth or fifth longest tenured coach in the NHL, and that's incredible. And that also shows you just how quickly a lot of teams sort of go through head coaches. Um, But Hextall very much sees it a shared destiny that he has with Dave Hextall right now. And unless he is... Absolutely forced him to make a change, he's not gonna do it. And I agree that Joel Quenville is basically everything that the Flyers need. He's such he's arguably uh, the best in game management coach that the NHL's seen in the last twenty years. And that's exactly what they don't have right now, because Dave Haxtell is horrible at making in game adjustments. So that's something that you know, Quenville would bring to the table for this team. Or look, the guy won three Stanley Cups. There's not a lot to, to argue about. He, he he is known a little bit for favoring veterans sometimes, but I think all coaches do. But just, you know, Flyers fans kind of always get angry when the veterans play over the rookies. But that is something that Joel Quenville does. Either way, as you said, his resume is unparalleled with anyone that's available out there. And I think, unfortunately, reality is that the Flyers are Not gonna hire. They're going to, you know, keep stay the course with Dave Haxtail, see what happens this season. I don't think Haxtahl wants to make a change during the season. I think that if the Flyers miss the playoffs, he will almost assuredly be fired. And if they make the playoffs and get blown out in the first round again, he'll be on shaky ground. But for all the reasons you mentioned that you kind of you go into training camp with a coach. You get your systems in place, however bad we think that those systems are. You get those systems in place, and it it's very, um, you know, it's it's very sort of disruptive to to bring in a new coach mid season, especially for a team that is expected to do as well as the Flyers are, and probably the best example of it happening and it having a huge advantage was when the Penguins fired their coach and brought in uh, Mike Sullivan, who's, you know, shown himself to be one of the best coaches in the league. And that was, you know, that was interesting uh, because Sidney Crosby's game completely turned around when they did that. And that was a number of years ago. But typically, you know, in-season coaching adjustments uh, – Aren't going to completely write the ship because the coach doesn't have enough time to kind of get his systems in place and get his his players trained up on what he wants to do. So, yeah, I mean, as much as is for the betterment of the long term of the franchise, we all agree that having Quentin here would would be the right move. It's just it's not going to happen.
0: No, it's not. But I want to read a tweet that um. Came out on Twitter, uh, Lou Crochetto at L Crochetto sixty-seven said, From what I'm reading, Q is just as bad as just as bad relying on vets over playing younger guys. Plus his cups in tow, he'll command more money in years, so if he's just as bad, he'll be harder to move. Remember the players he had when he won. We don't have uh, we don't have that here. Well, first of all, um, the coach's contract doesn't count towards the salary cap. So whatever he makes, you know, salary-wise doesn't it's not going to affect the team. It just affects, you know, it affects them from an accounting standpoint but not the team itself. It's it's not going to stop them from signing a player or or making a certain move and making it harder to move. All you have to do is just fire him. I mean, it's just then it's just on the team to pay out his contract over however many years going forward. But I think back to 2010 when they won their first Stanley Cup and their their two big young guys that they had were obviously Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. The Flyers have enough young talent on this team right now to where if you get the right guy in here that knows how to coach players like that, they could be very lethal. They could be a threatening team and they could be cup contenders. It doesn't have to be this two to three years away that we keep hearing year in and year out. They have enough young talent mix in with enough veteran talent that the right guy being brought in here coaching wise to, you know, implement the right system and implement a system and make those lineup changes that you're talking about, Dan, in game, you know, if you have the right guy pushing the buttons with it's this, the Flyers problems aren't from a talent perspective. You have guys that are high draft picks, you have guys that are proven NHL players that have been there, done that, have been able to put up big numbers in this league in the past. It's not talent that the Flyers lack, it's coaching. So, yeah, Joel, I mean, look, the the Blackhawks made a lot of personnel decisions that probably... You know, that bit them in the ass in the long run. You know, they signed Taves and and came to those big contracts, and then you can't bring in too many guys when you're cap-strapped. The Flyers have been, you know, an example of that. They traded away one of the best young, rising stars in the league in Artemi Panarin for nothing. So... The the Blackhawks have made personnel decisions that have strapped their coach to the point where what else was he supposed to do? You know, he could only do so much. You can only do so much as a coach. The Flyers, I believe, right now are a more talented hockey team than the Chicago Blackhawks. So Joel Quenville could take this team to the next level, and he could do so as early as this season. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting a Stanley Cup run, you know, the finals or something, but he could— Give the Flyers enough from a coaching perspective with this talent to put them, to to get them to take that next step that Ron Hexall said all summer long he expected this team to make. And, yeah, right now it's a small step. The next step for this team is obviously making it to the second round. But if you have the right guy do, making the right moves with the talent on this team, and if Ron Hexall can make, you know, a big acquisition at the trade deadline then why not go a little further? Why not, you know, the, the Flyers are talented enough to where if they play the right way, could be a conference final team. But right now with the guy behind the bench, it's it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, but come on, to be fair, I mean, we just talked about how bad the goalies are. Right. I mean, you right. think this— And that goes along which, with— which of, which of these goalies is going to lead this team to the Eastern Conference Finals?
0: Well— I mean, it goes along with what I said about making the move at a deadline. And, you know, a guy you talked about before, Pecorino, he already got his extension from Nashville, so the other guy out there is Bobrovsky, and that's right now. Come close to the deadline, you don't know who could be available. I'm not saying—look, yeah, goaltending is obviously a huge problem with this team, but, you know, we've seen in the past where subpar goalies get hot and carry teams. I'm just saying the Flyers have talent enough to— get hot at the right time in the playoffs and make somewhat of a run. I'm not saying that Joel Quinwell coming in here makes them a conference final team, but they have talent. If he makes the right moves and he implements the right system, they could get hot and it's not that far fetched to think that they could, but I wouldn't expect it. I I would still be surprised, but it's a possibility with the right coach. Uh,
1: Yeah, potentially. Um, You know, I, here's one thing I want to, sort of bring up that uh that I see as an issue with the current team and this this is a coaching thing that could be changed with the different coaches at the beginning of the season the Flyers had Ivan Provov and Shane Bear paired together and they struggled a little bit and Dave Haxtall, after saying he wasn't going to split them up did split them up and he put Provov with Robert Haig and he put Shane Gossespierre with uh Christian Fulan, who is playing now because Andrew McDonald has been a healthy scratch because of how terrible he's been this season. But the big issue there is that Christian Fulan and Robert Haig are now both playing over 20 minutes a game because they're paired with the two best Flyers defensemen. And the Flyers want Ivan Provorov and Shane Gossespierre playing 20 minutes a game. So so the the byproduct of that is that Fulan and Haig are playing over 20 minutes a game Whereas Radko Gudis and Travis Sanheim, who have both been clearly better than Hague and Fullen this year, are playing less than 15 minutes a game. And so to me, that's actually one of the biggest problems I have with the team right now. Because, you know, you're talking about how talented they are. That, to a certain extent, that's right. They've got a lot of really good forwards. When James Van Riemsley comes back, they will be in an even better spot with forwards moving uh, you know for the rest of the season but uh but when you've got folan and Haig playing 20 minutes plus a night it's hard for me to argue that you're you're actually should should be a playoff team with those two guys doing that so that's that's one of my big issues there and i would really like to see Dave Haxtell pair pro robin ghost back together
0: yeah i mean that's you know that's it's it's worked in the past but yeah i don't know it's it you'll 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 go out of your mind trying to figure out why he does the things he does, why he makes the changes to the lineup that he does, why his pairings and lines work or don't work, why he does what he does. It's just I mean, I don't know. It's it's just kind of is what it is at this point and you know, it's for better or worse at this point. You know, we both seem to agree that he's probably not going to go anywhere this season. Um, you know, it, it sucks because We know as fans that there's a move to be made, and there's such a disconnect, I think, with the fans and, you know, the organization in in this case. And you don't ever want the organization to make a move just because the fans want it, but, you know, at this point, I I just don't know how, from a front office perspective, you see this team, and I, you know, take out this four-game road trip that they just had, because... It could end up being an anomaly, and based on what we saw to previous to it, you know, and now with the goalie situation and everything, you know, more than likely it may—it'll it, probably end up being that, you know, they just had a good stretch. We'll see when they come home how they play, but, you know, you just—it's frustrating to me because I know that the Flyers' front office, Ron Hexall, obviously leading the way there, you know, put so much stock into a run of games like the Flyers just had that it almost puts blinders on him to where he says, you know, he says one thing, you know, this team has talent, we're just not getting the bounces, you know, everything like that. And when these, you know, these winning streaks or these good stretches come, it puts the blinders on to everything else, to every other problem that this team has. The fact that they're currently 29th, in penalty kill. The fact that you know you're got you're not getting an, a, as much out of players because perhaps because of how the lineup is is being run right now by your coach and just you know your goaltending is a mess and it and it's not getting any better. And even when Brian Elliott's healthy, it's still not that much better. Yeah, Brian Elliott's better than Calvin Pickard and Alex Lyon, and I agree with you on Alex Lyon. There's this, like, cult of people out there that think Alex Lyon is the answer to goaltending in Philadelphia, and he just isn't, and I don't see it. But there's enough wrong with the with this Flyers team that I just don't think Ron Hextall really sees because either because he doesn't want to or he's just naive to it. Yeah,
1: I don't think he's... Naive to it. I I think Ron Hextall is very intelligent. But again, I. Yeah, the penalty killing is. You would have thought that he would have had to have done something about it last season. It was so abysmal and so terrible. And he kind of, at the end of the year, talked about how it had gotten better at the end of the season, which it really hadn't. And that, you know, they're going to give him another season with LaPerrière. But if if they continue to be this poor, I just. It it just boggles the mind. And I think Hextall is just so much about patience, patience, patience. I just, like, I just do think that it's going to take, I think the the Flyers are too good to be a team that is well out of the playoffs uh, at any point moving forward. I I think they're going to continue to play well. I think they'll probably, you know, win three of the next four games and they'll, they'll probably make the playoffs. And so it's just, again, it's, we talked about, the frustration of a coach who we all think is just not the right guy from a systems perspective and from an in-game management perspective. But we I think we need to to try and hope that maybe he is and see if he can make adjustments that he has not been able to make to this point. But I don't I mentally am not going to go through an entire season being negative and thinking about how we need a different head coach to solidify the future for this team because, you know, I, I, I love this team so much and I want them to do well that I have sort of, you know, analytically and, and cerebrally, I, I, I can uh, see what's happening and make the necessary criticisms that need to be made. But because I know that he's probably not going anywhere, he, I want to remain optimistic. And, and maybe this coach will, you know, uh, improve himself. I mean, you do see some signs. I'm hoping that That I was very excited that Nicholas Abe bell who's one of my favorite young prospects, uh, he was like fifth or sixth in even strength points in the AHL last season. And to me, going into the season, he's a perfect guy to play on the Flyers' fourth line because uh, of his even strength, prowess, and he's got some skill, but he's also got uh, some, some rough edges to his game. And so they brought up Abe Coupel. He played every game on the road trip. He only averaged about five or six minutes a game, but he was very good at those five or six minutes. He brought needed energy. And one of our biggest beefs as a fandom is that Dave Haxtell refuses to construct a fourth line that has young players on it, uh, he always has these veterans who are just, you know, plotting veterans like Nick Lurie, Yuri Latera, who just don't really contribute much and no one understands it. And I was encouraged that, that Nicholas Avikubel stuck on the, on the fourth line for the whole trip. And I think that, you know, he's a guy who they hopefully maybe they'll just leave him on the fourth line all season and he'll play five or six minutes and he'll, you know, learn from being in the NHL. And uh, he, he's a guy who could down the road road form a very dangerous fourth line you know if you're looking at maybe German Rupsov who's been tearing up the AHL maybe eventually you've got a fourth line of of you know Rupsov Vorobiev and Awe Kubel or something so you know I think that there are some encouraging signs and I'm gonna 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 put some hope in the fact that Dave Haxtell can turn some of these things around
0: yeah I mean you're um you know we've 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 seen that you're a lot more optimistic about things than me um and it's just you know right now it's all it's all up in the air but you're absolutely right you know sitting and watching games every night with a chip on your shoulder and expecting bad things isn't going to do you any good as a fan you know it's just going to make your enjoyment of the game and your enjoyment of the team and your love for the team falter and you know at, uh, i think you know, I've seen it in other sports, you know, the Phillies, when they're, you know, they've gone on their, you know, how bad they've played in recent years. They've obviously, I think they've lost fans because you saw when they started playing good this past season, they could barely fill the ballpark. I think what the Sixers did definitely hurt, you know, their, their fan base. And you don't want to see that for the Flyers because the Flyers have always really been the most loyal fan base, you know, almost to a fault at times um you know they've they've always had probably the most loyal fan base and you'd hate to see such a loyal loving fan base start to turn on this franchise but i mean if things don't turn around and i'm not talking about this season only i'm i'm talking you know in the immediate future you know in the next 2 years if things don't turn around drastically i think you could start to see that but you know you're right it doesn't do it doesn't do you any good to think negative thoughts and just keep thinking of the flyers in a negative light when you're watching this game, these games because it's going to absolutely ruin your enjoyment um so that's yeah i agree with you there but we have some questions on twitter that you know we love getting in you always put the tweets out and we get some good responses so I'll let you kind of lead it off um, you know, wherever you want to start, and we'll just follow right, yeah, up from there.
1: Let's say we'll do some questions, and then I want to talk about the uh, the Senator's Uber ride Yes, after after we, after we get to some of these questions. So that, there weren't that many questions, and we kind of already went through some of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first one was from Mike Cito, who we've had on the show, and a uh, very smart guy. Uh, his tag is at Death and Taxes, and he asks – now that Joel Quenville is on the market, how much urgency should the Flyers have to bring him in? And, you know, this is what we sort of, you know, we talked about this. Um, it's, in my mind, they they should talk to him um, and, and potentially hire him, but, but we know it's it's not going to happen. So, you know, it's, it's it's a tough question to answer because we know that, that Ron Ekstahl is is 99% not even going to think about it. Ron Hextall right now is so relieved that the, the team played well so that he doesn't have to sit through fire Hextall chants at the Wells Fargo Center with uh, Dave Scott looking over his shoulder.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, we, we, we pretty much touched on this whole thing. Um, this... They should have a hunt. We already said that their urgency level should be kind of through the roof here. Um, we know it's not going to be. We know, you know, you just discussed all the factors that would have to go into a move being made. You don't seem to think that Quinville is going to stick around that long, so it's probably a moot point. And, you know, really all these other questions that are coming in here. I, I touched on Luke Crocetto um, with his comments on Quinville. Um, you know, our, our friend Flyer Rob, kind of the same thing. What uh, would convince Hextall to at least kick the tires on Joel Quinville? I mean, it would probably have to be just, you know, the Flyers would have to probably lose every game in terrible fashion for the next two straight weeks and, you know, just not be in any of the games. And even then, it might not happen. Um, he also says, I do not want to trade uh Goss spare for William Nylander. Um, yeah, I mean... Fair enough there. I don't think anybody really wants to do that.
1: Well, there was – we can talk about that briefly. I mean, there was – first of all, the first part of his question, I I, I think if if the Flyers got pounded, let's say two or three straight games at home coming up and Quenville's still on the market, I think that maybe Hextall might uh, kick the tires on him or be forced to kick the tires on him by Dave Scott so that's what it's going to take is and I don't think it's going to happen, I think the Flyers are going to come out and I think they're going to win the next two games but uh, in terms of the Nylander thing, so that's really interesting because Nylander is still a restricted free agent, the yes. Maple Leafs have not been able to come to an agreement with him, it sounds like there's a pretty big divide on how much money he's going to get paid and the Flyers keep coming up in the Nylander trade rumors mainly because they have what it would take to get a deal done, the Maple Leafs uh, need a, a defenseman, and preferably a somewhat youngish defenseman, but one who is in the NHL, NHL-ready. And so Shane Goss has been there, Ivan Krogerov, Travis Sanheim, those are the guys that get thrown around in the, in the discussion, and I, just, I don't have any interest because the Flyers have surplus forwards, and they have surplus forwards on the way in the form of Morgan Frost, Isaac Ratcliffe, Joel Farabee, uh, Wade Allison, uh, German Rupsov, they've got a lot of forwards on the way, and I, I think what has set the Flyers apart in the last number of years from how they've built their farm system is with all these young defensemen, and so I don't, I want to see someday a top four of Provorov, Bear, Sandheim, and Myers. I don't want to trade them. I want to keep those guys, let them develop, and and combine them with the awesome forwards that we already have uh, you know, in the, uh, in the system. So I would not trade for Nylander, especially with what Toronto wants. The, uh, the last question from Hank Hill at Hank Hill fan, I'm going to let you answer this one because you are the technical guru. Uh, he asks, when will you publish on Google play? I don't even know what, what goes into that.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I tried it last week and he's not the first person to bring this up recently. And it's good knowing that people want to be able to listen to this on more platforms. Um, I'm trying to get all the specifics, you know, it's, it's funny Googling something on how to put something on Google and, you know, you get like spun in a sure. million different directions. So I'm, I'm still trying to hammer out the details on how exactly to do it. It's a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's a lot more difficult than putting it on Apple iTunes was. Uh, but, I, uh, you know, every every, <clears throat> you know, every so often I'm looking back at it to get it on there. Um, but, you know, obviously you're not an Apple user, so you can't use that. But it's on SoundCloud. I know you can get SoundCloud on, you know, your Android devices through the Google Play Store and all that good stuff. So it's on there. But I'm I'm trying to incorporate and I'm trying to be accommodating to our Google users and get it on there. And hopefully by the end of the month. I will have that done.
1: So. There you go. Appreciate um, him.
0: Appreciate him caring enough and everybody else that has brought it up in the last couple of weeks that, you know, they want to be able to listen to this podcast on more platforms. I think that's awesome. And I'm doing my best to, you know, to give the people what they want.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we've got great listeners, man. They're loyal and, and we love all of them. And, Absolutely. you know, because of that we want to talk about some controversial stuff that should, uh that has been on the tips of the tongues of every uh hockey fan out there the last 24 hours mm-hmm. so last night which was i guess monday night because people will be probably listening to the show i guess either you know later tonight on tuesday or on wednesday or whenever but monday night uh, a story broke that the ottawa senators who uh yeah, the other five and six right now they're not I mean, they're, they're bad. They're a really bad team, but they have got five wins, but they've given up a league high 59 in goals against. And most people are expecting them to, to be one of the worst three teams in the season this year, along with, you know, the Detroit Red Wings and maybe the, the LA Kings. But, um, the, uh, the senators, they lost a game. I just want to get the, uh, get it right here. What the, the score was on this game? Um, So this was October 29, no, October 30th. They lost in Arizona five to one and they'd lost four games in a row at that point. And they got in an Uber and it was uh, seven players from the Senators. Thomas Chabot, who's a good young defenseman, Dylan DeMello, Matt Duchesne, who's probably their most high profile player. And supposed to be their leader, Alex Formanton, a young, young kid, Chris Tierney, Colin White, and Chris Wideman. Seven players uh, were in an Uber, and unbeknownst to them, the Uber driver was recording what was going on in the cab. And I assume that that a lot of Uber drivers do this just in case you know something happens and they get in a conflict with someone, you just need to have evidence of what's going on. So uh, they get in the cab and the cab driver, they're talking about hockey and the cab driver says, oh, what team do you guys play for? And they mention Ottawa. And they go on to just blast the, the coaching staff, especially um, assistant coach Martin Raymond, who's responsible for the penalty kill. And I just want to read a couple of the quotes uh, f- from the team uh, in this Uber. So, Matt Shane said marty raymond the only coach in nhl history to have the worst power play and the worst penalty kill within a calendar year everyone starts laughing then defenseman chris weidman says did you notice that when raymond runs the video if you actually do pay attention he doesn't ever teach you anything he just commentates what's happening then Duchesne says here's the other thing we don't change anything ever so why do we even have a meeting I haven't paid attention in three weeks. So here you've got Matt Duchesne, who's making a pretty penny with the auto senators, blasting the uh, assistant coach, talking about how he doesn't pay attention. Uh, the players are snickering. And the rumor is that the, I guess they, they didn't leave a tip or they didn't leave a big enough tip and the the Uber driver, and that could be BS, but the Uber driver started sending this video to reporters on Twitter and he wasn't getting responses. And then I guess someone with the Ottawa newspaper saw it and was like, we're going to run this story. And they wrote a article, the Ottawa newspaper did yesterday with the video in it and talking about it. And it just blown up. And it's, it's really interesting because I'm sure, you know, you've probably played on sports teams and I've been on sports teams. I've been a captain of sports teams and you people complain about their coaches people look people complain about their bosses it just it happens um and so a lot of people have sort of come out and been like you know oh i can't believe this is out there these poor players like they you know they're just blowing off some steam and a part of me sympathizes with that however i will say this when you know, even back in high school, you know, when I was whatever, a captain of a soccer team or something, I I would not have said the kind of things that Matthew Shane was saying
0: mm-hmm. just
1: because you do. He had two of their most talented young players in the Uber, Thomas Shabbat and Alex Foreman. And I don't think that you want to start a culture where the players are, you know, criticizing the coaches like that. And maybe like maybe every team does that, but but I just I would be very uncomfortable if I saw Flyers video and Claude Giroux was was making those kind of comments, and I honestly doubt he does. But uh, I don't know. What are what are your thoughts on it?
0: Um, I mean, look, we've we, it's not like this is something new so much with the Senators. It seems like all summer we were talking about you know just embarrassing things that have happened in the Senators organization, whether it be the video of the owner that came out right before the season started. Um, there was, you know, the, and his name's already escaping me. Uh, there was the whole controversy with Eric Carlson and his wife and, you know, his teammate there, which wasn't so much embarrassing, right, right. Mike Hoffman. And that wasn't so much embarrassing as it was just, you know, cruel and despicable. Um, look, yeah, you're right. People, people do this in all walks of life. And part of me wants to call the Uber driver a scumbag for for putting the video out there and trying to cash in on it. Another puts me in his shoes and I'm like, you know, would I do it? Maybe, you know, maybe like this guy thought his name would get out there. No one knows who the Uber driver is. Nobody really cares. But as far as the senators go and as far as what the players were saying, I mean, I, to me, I just don't know how you walk into the locker room the next day. If you're these seven players, that's just completely bashed the coaching staff. And, you know, pretty much when you're bashing the coaching staff, you're bashing the team because you're saying that the guys in charge aren't getting it done. And, you know, they're mocking their penalty kill, which is basically mocking now other teammates that are on that penalty kill. And, you know, you got Matt Duchesne, who is supposed to be a leader on a team and he's you know a veteran player just basically saying you know he goes to practice he goes to practice he doesn't care he's in the meetings he's not listening he's not paying attention and it's just you know, everyone else hears that and they're saying, well, then what are you doing here? You know, you can't have your one of your best players, one of your leaders saying like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm here. But yeah, I really don't care what this guy has to say. I think this, cause that's basically what he's saying. He's basically calling the coach an idiot because he said he doesn't teach them anything. That's what coaches are supposed to do by definition. So I, I don't know how you walk into the locker room the next day after this video being out there and look your teammates and your coaches and general managers and owners in the face and just and and, and just think everything's going to move on and be fine after that. It's going to be in the back of players and coaches heads for the rest of this season and I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if subsequent moves were made. And you know, we'll see what happens there, but I don't know. It's it's just a, it's it's another it's another embarrassing thing. It's another black eye on the, you know, on the face of the Ottawa senators right now.
1: Yeah. The aftermath of this This is going to be really interesting to see what happens because like you said, it's how does Matt? how does the things they said about Raymond are just really kind of nasty and and not disagreeing with his decisions, but basically questioning his intelligence level. So it's Mm -hmm. like, how do you, Get past that. They basically said the guy's an idiot, and uh, they don't even listen to him. So how how do you possibly get past that situation, right? I mean yeah. it's it's they're always going to be thinking about it. So I don't know what's going to happen. I do I think he's a free agent at the end of the season. I can't imagine he's going to be back. Right, but uh, um, you know, it's uh, that's. I, I feel like that situation is just going to really devolve. Uh, over the next little bit of time here for the Ottawa Senators.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, once again, we've seen it in other sports. We saw it with the Sixers. This is where social media just really hurts sports teams and players. Um, you know, if this was 15 years ago, not to say that the video didn't wouldn't come out because it was, you know, kind of a, a dash cam type situation, but, you know, 15 years ago before Twitter takes off, it's just, you know, it would have made you know it would have been local news in ottawa and you know the, the surrounding area up there you know espn nhl network probably would have got it but unless you watch you know that all the time you wouldn't have seen it so you know everybody's on social media you know so the numbers of people that saw this compared to what would have a few years ago is you know exponentially greater so you know the the senators have been the laughing stock of the league for you know a couple of years now and this is just you know this this just furthers that at this point, but, you know, with all that's going on with the Flyers, at least their problems are on the ice, and hopefully we don't ever have a video where, and if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Travis uh, Konechny. Hopefully we never get a video of him coming out and just outwardly bashing Dave Axel, because there's, there's really no coming back from that. After that happens, a move, something has to be done. I don't know what it is. I don't run a team. So that's up to the guys up in Ottawa to deal with. And like I said, luckily, the Flyers do not have to deal with that, and hopefully they never will. So that's our two cents on that. So, Dan, it's that time again. Um, Shameless plug time. I know it's your favorite time of every show, so why don't you uh, go ahead and tell the people where they could find you.
1: So the people can find me on Twitter at deepsilver 88 the 88 for Eric Lindros. And you can go find my articles along with the rest of the Philly is Flyer team uh, at www.phillyisflyer.com. That's uh, www.phillyisflyer.com. Got a lot of great content up there, good post game recaps. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have some uh, positive results coming up in the next week for the Flyers and they can get themselves right back into a playoff position.
0: Absolutely. I absolutely think they will. I think these next three games for the Flyers are winnable games. I think that I'll be very disappointed if they don't come out at least two and one after this, you know, these next three and, you know, the devils and the lightning after that are much more challenging teams. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, right now, some positives coming in the way of the Flyers and hopefully they can keep the momentum riding, but, Uh, As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkFlagman2Ns. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, and like I said, I promise that by the end of the month, I will figure out how to get this on Google Play for you Android and Google users so everybody can enjoy the sweet sounds of our voices and can yell at your phones, your car radio, or whatever when you're listening to us talk. So until next week... Let's go Flyers.